Hebenu was a capital of one of the 22 provinces of Upper Egypt and boasted of all that came along with the title. Inventive, ingenious, self-made, it was high society. Egypt has always invited people to enjoy their claims to fame. They've always invited us to enjoy the pleasures and ease of life that they present. Their ancient communities had tools and technologies. Their smart engineering built and boasted their beautiful cities. But along with Egypt came their self-centered worship, idols that encouraged them to exercise their self-will, praise of their own proper product. Egypt has always been and will always be the alternative and opposition to God. It's one thing to have a resource, but it's another thing to know what to do with it. And Egypt managed the responsibility well. Hebenu was the home to the rich mineral mines. The calcium carbonate was in abundance. A white translucent limestone onyx that could be shaped and fabricated and Eventually, the product became both the name and the place. It was a small handheld vial used for oils and perfumes that were created. And the demand came in in great abundance. The product flowed down the Nile like the river itself. And the city was named after the small vials known as alabastron. The design was inspired by the palm tree with a columnar shape and a palm capital at the top of the stand. We don't know where she got hers, but we do know what it could be sold for. 300 denarii, her worth wasn't based on what she possessed, but she knew what that little vial cost her. It was an annual salary, and she had paid much more than that for it. It had cost her her reputation It had cost her her right to be heard. Her input was unwanted. Her voice was unheard. It required of her everything that she had. She sold herself, literally. And she had saved everything that she could. Other than her own cost of living, she had tucked it away until she could afford the alabastra. Perhaps it was her own greed. The alabastra that she had in her hand held The lies that Egypt had told her. Work hard enough and you'll be happy. Work hard enough and you'll be rich. Invest enough and you can hold your own future right there in the palm of your hand. Regardless of who had told her the lie, she had bought it. She had given herself and everything that she had to possess that one possession, her alabastra. Perhaps if she just held on to it long enough, she could free herself from the stronghold of perhaps the someone that had held her captive. Perhaps it was the lifestyle that had intrigued her at first, but then had trapped her. Perhaps it was that lifestyle of sin that now she wanted so desirous to be out of, but she had been held there. That small alabastra wasn't bought with excess fund money. It wasn't because of her wealth that she held it in her hand. It was her only investment. It was, as she sought, her only way out. You see, at first, Egypt always seems 
like it's a place of refuge. Whether it's famine or threat, Egypt presents itself as the opportunity. But here's what we've learned over time, and here's what we know through Scripture. If you stay, Egypt always becomes the place of oppression and slavery. And she was the poster child for what could have been and what did become. She was the one that no longer could hold her head in a place of pride or prominence. Now she is ducked behind cover. Now she lives in silence and solitude, but she's got her one little hope in that alabaster. That's what it's called, an alabastra. The, that title was an alabastra. We, we see it there in Luke chapter 7. The scripture brings us to Bethany. It's Jesus who spends the week before the crucifixion here. Jesus has chosen this place to be with those that he loves for his last week. It's Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They're all there. But this day we join Jesus at the house of Simon the Pharisee. It was that same day when Mary went and found that hidden ointment that had cost her so much. She clutched it close to her chest. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 7 that when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she bought, brought an alabaster box of ointment. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees had seen what she had done, the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it. He spoke within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him because she is a sinner. He had already done the math. The, the Pharisee had already figured out where and what the product came from. The lifestyle that had brought it. He said, she is a sinner. Everybody knew what he was talking about. Everybody knew what he meant. She had sold herself. Her lifestyle was the product of sin. And now what she held in her hand was the price that it had cost her. The Bible tells us his name was Simon. Simon, you've got one thing right. And you've got one thing wrong. Yes, she is touching him. She touched him like no one else had in the room. She touched him like the woman had touched him with the issue of blood. She touched him because she knew that he had what she needed. She touched him because she understood that she didn't need what was in this little jar if she got what he was presenting in her life. She touched him because she realized that I'm willing to give it all up if I can just get what he's got. I, I, she touched him because she recognized that real love sat before her. She touched him because she knew that if she could get close enough, there would be something that would be given to her that nobody else had been able to give to her. I'm wondering if there's anybody in the room today that came with a mindset, I have just got to touch him. I, I want to touch him with the right intention. I want to touch him with the right desire. I came so that I could touch him. You got it right, Simon. If this woman, if he knew who this woman was that was touching him, oh, he knew it. 
He knew her well. He knew her past. He knew everything about her. He knew what was in the vial. That's what touched him the most. He understood what that cost her. He understood the price that she had paid. Yeah, yeah, we know it's not perfect, a perfect product. We know where it came from. We know what the result, it's the result of a, a lifestyle of sin. But, but now she came before her master and she just desired to pour it out and to touch his feet. And she began to let her tears drip over and her hair, she began to dry. And she began to touch the master. I, I tell you, there was something that moved the heart of Christ because she was giving everything that she had in that moment to the one that was worthy. I'm wondering if anybody came just to give God everything this morning. I wonder if there's anybody that came with a desire to say, God, I, I know it's not perfect this morning. There's a couple things this week I'm not proud of, but I come with it in my hand. I come with my worship and I'm coming to present it to you. I wonder if someone's got a desire to touch him this morning. Come on, I'll tell you the way that you touch him. You begin to worship him. I felt his presence move in this room when we began to sing the songs of Zion. I felt his glory begin to rest on these people right here. I hope it moved through the webcast. I hope it came in somebody's living room the way that it did. I hope somebody let their worship out and God met you. She did touch him if he only knew he... He knew who she was. He knew that in that moment, virtue was going to flow. Not just healing for her broken body, but healing for her mind. There's somebody in the room this morning, and you came and you know you need healing in your mind this morning. There's somebody in the room this morning. It went deeper than just her thought patterns. She had a broken heart. There was healing for her heart. But it went deeper than her heart. It went to the very soul of the matter. There was healing available for her soul. He identified, Simon identified her as a sinner. Simon identified her as one that wasn't worth anything. And Simon identified her if you'd only known, if you knew what, what, that, what that came from. If you, if you knew where that, that came from, you, you probably wouldn't receive it, Jesus. But Jesus allowed her to wash his feet with her tears. Her brokenness came out in that moment and she began to let tears flow over his feet. Her brokenness in her spirit opened up and her tears flowed until it just covered his feet and, and, and Jesus allowed her that moment, Jesus allowed her those minutes where she came and poured everything out. Yes, the vial contained precious product, but there was something about those tears, the, the product of a broken life and the product of a broken heart. I, 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 that's why I, do, I wanted to pause for a few moments when we first took the pulpit because there was something moving in the room. There was a power that was present to heal and to touch. There were tears that were flowing. Something was stirring in somebody's spirit and you were letting your worship out. There, there was a product of pain that was on the inside that, that all of a sudden in his presence, you haven't been able to release it anywhere else this week. You couldn't let it go at work. You, you couldn't let it go at home. You had to hold it together. But when you got in his presence today, you began to realize it's a safe place. This is where I can lay it all down. This is where I can release it all. This is where there's a conduit that connects me to the Christ, the 
anointed one. And that's when the tears begin to flow. I, I wonder if someone would just let them flow right now. I'm sure that Simon, Simon thought he, Simon the Pharisee, you understand what, what Pharisees are. Pharisees know just enough to confuse everybody. Pharisees have, just have enough knowledge to get everybody questioning everything. Pharisees show up to bring confusion. Pharisees show up, Pharisees show up to, to disrupt the worship, the true worship. Pharisees show up to discredit the true glory. Pharisees show up to kind of put everything in some kind of order because we like order. Humanity likes order. But, but Simon the Pharisee, he, he wanted everything, every T crossed and every I dotted. He, he wanted everything kind of in order. But I tell you what, Jesus likes it when our worship kind of throws order out of the way. Jesus likes it when our worship kind of disrupts the order of service. Jesus likes it when order gets a little undignified. Jesus likes it when our, our worship begins to redefine the boundaries of what should and should happen. Jesus likes it when, when we showed up and we said, this is our seat and this is where I'm fitting, sitting for the entire service. But before long, it doesn't hold what you've got on the inside. You just kind of get up and get out for a minute and begin to declare he's worthy of something. Jesus likes it when we shake the Pharisees up. Jesus likes it when the Pharisaical attitude gets shut down. Jesus likes it when worship breaks out. Jesus likes it. Jesus likes that. There's something about him that's desiring worship that goes beyond. There's something about him that likes worship that steps out of the borders and the boundaries and said, I'm going to give him my all this morning. I wish someone would just break a barrier this morning in worship. As long as Simon, as long as, as Simon can identify everything and as long as Simon can kind of create the order that he would desire, he, he can control everything. But, but this is an uncontrolled worship. This is worship that goes beyond control. This is worship that steps out of the borders and says, ah, oh, this isn't what we expected. Who let her in the room? Who let her in here with the men? You'll realize that the culture of the day didn't let women with the men in that environment. They had their own place. Not saying it was right, but the culture of the day said the women were in the kitchen. That's why Martha was so upset when Mary landed at Jesus' feet. The women of the day had their own court outside of the temple for worship. It was, it was the Gentile court and then the court of women. They had their place on the outside. She wasn't supposed to be on the inside. This isn't where she was supposed to be. But yet she found herself breaking through the barrier. She found herself stepping into the room that she wasn't invited into. She found herself, come on, finding a place at his feet. I'm sure they just kind of looked on what in the world do you think you're doing? I tell you, Jesus loves it when someone says, I'm stepping in. I'm going in. I'm going for it. I'm not stopping. I'm going after it this morning. I've got too much to gain. I've got too little to lose. I'm going after it in the Holy Ghost. I'm going after it in worship. I'm going in. I'm going in. Just tap your neighbor and tell him I'm going in. So Jesus, he, 
he looks at Simon. He says, I got a couple, I got a little story for you. I got a couple of people I want to tell you about. He said there was a certain creditor, had two debtors, one owed 500 pence, the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, both of them couldn't pay the debt. He said, frankly, he forgave them both. He said, now, who of them would love him the most? And Simon, he, he's smart enough to get it. He said, I suppose that's he that forgave the most. And he said, you judge right. And he turns to the woman. And he said to Simon, he said, see this woman? I entered thine house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. See, Simon, that's where you got it wrong. You got the one thing right that she touched me, but you got the one thing wrong that she's a sinner because my virtue is flowing in that place of worship, in that environment of praise. My presence is going to turn some things around and the sinner becomes the saint. The blast, come on, turns. The blessing comes into her life and her sins are forgiven. Her sins are forgiven. Mark, it's the gospel of Mark. I love that. The gospels present us four viewpoints of stories and all four gospel writers speak of this event. Mark lets us know that she broke the alabastra. I had some, I told, I told Brandon this morning, I said, I'm going to just smash this. He said, all over the black carpet. <laughs> and then I thought better of it. We'll save the demonstration of theatrics. But you can imagine that when she came in, that vial contained everything that she possessed, everything that was near and dear to her, everything that she owned, and she broke it. She wasn't taking anything back. She wasn't reserving. She wasn't, come on, she wasn't Ananias and Sapphira. She wasn't just kind of holding some of it back for a little bit later. She said, I'm going to bring it all. I'm giving everything. I'm going to break the alabaster box, and, and I'm going to present him with everything that I got. I am not holding anything back. And I came just with an encouragement to a group of people that, this morning to say it's about time that we gave it all without holding anything back it's the bible tells us that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth because the father seeketh such to worship him and he still is seeking that kind of worshiper this morning at ccc we need a breakthrough in our worship we need a breakthrough in a worship environment we need a breakthrough until we got to show up and turn up the PA and say, now it's time to quiet down because we got to go to the next part of our service. We need a breakthrough in our worship. We need a breakthrough in our praise. We need a breakthrough in our services. We need a breakthrough of barriers. We've got to go past normal. We've got to go past expected. We've got to go past the predicted. We, we can't stop somewhere back here and, and just comfortville. I'll tell you what worship does. Worship costs us something. Worship, come on, worship. Worship leaves people saying, well, I, I didn't expect that. 
Worship leaves people wondering, well, I, I didn't predict that. I, what, what happened there? What in the world is going on in the, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what happens when, when something happens in the supernatural. We break through in our worship and then God breaks through with his power and his presence. That's what we're after. We're not after this uh, demonstration here. We're looking for a demonstration from there. We're not after noise from here, but uh, we are. We are listening for something to come from heaven, a heavenly wind, a heavenly breeze. Come on, we're looking for that today. Could it, could it be that we have allowed some worldly ideas to infringe on our spiritual worship? Could it be that somehow Egypt has allowed its mindset to move over and hinder our spiritual freedom? Could it be that what we've been hiding from God, waiting for something, intends for a release right here and right now? Isn't it about time that what we've bottled up and saved up for some time in the future is finally released and say, God, in the here and now, it's not, I'm not waiting any longer. I'm not reserving it for any more. I'm just going to start here and now, and I'm going to leave everything on the altar. Now is not the time to save your praise for a rainy day. I, I hear it breaking out. It's all right. It's all right. I wish someone would just begin to praise God. That's all right. I tell you why. I tell you why we restrict our worship sometimes is because there's flies in our ointment. We've got, we've got something in there that, that we're not proud of. We, 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 we let something in and, and it's kind of just kind of messed up the ointment. And, and, and now we, we feel like we, we've got to hold back and we've got to reserve and, and we can't let that out. Can I just let someone know God knows what's going on? That's why he told Simon, uh, I know who she is. I got this. I got this all undercover. But she's allowed to worship. Here's a few interesting points. I won't take time to read the text this morning, but it's all there in Matthew chapter 26, Mark 14, Luke 7, and John 12. The scripture tells us that Simon just wasn't a Pharisee, but his other identity was that he was a leper. There's no way that a leper that was still a leper would have a room full of people unless he had been cleansed. Unless somewhere along the line he had been healed. Unless somewhere along the line Simon, that Pharisee, had had a touch and what was an incurable disease. Because I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if he was one of the ten I don't know if he was one of the 10 lepers. I, I don't know if he's one of the, the unnamed miracles that are given in scripture that says if we had a book wouldn't hold all the miracles that occur. I don't know. But here's what I do know is that he was identified as Simon the leper. That at one point in his life, leprosy had moved in. One point. But he had been cleansed. Somewhere along the line, he made his way to the temple. And the priest said, man, you're good. Somewhere along the line that healing happened. And now we find Jesus in his house. And he is the one ridiculing the worshiper. And Jesus takes advantage of that moment and says, Simon, when I came in your doors, you didn't greet me with a kiss. You didn't anoint my head. You didn't even offer me water for my feet. If anybody could have, should have, 
would have been the one that kind of laid the red carpet out for the Messiah to be. If anybody should have, it should have been Simon, the one who was a leper. But Simon, somewhere along, and it happens. Don't, don't get too critical of Simon because it happens that we get content with where we are now compared to where we were then. Sometimes we get very content and we become the observers of the worshipers. We become the critics of the ones that came with everything and they haven't got it all together but they're willing to pour every last drop out on his feet and what we don't need is a Simon who once was a leper in the critic seat come on in the seat of the scornful saying oh uh, do you know what I tell you what we need we need some Simons who remember what it was like to be on the outside looking in but now they're saying come on let's worship him together Is there any Simons in the room? Leprosy defined you at one point. But now you've been blood bought. Now you've been purchased by love divine. Now you stand on this side of the cross. Now you know the power of the blood. The text, the text tells us not only was Simon there, the text tells us that Lazarus was there. If anybody should have kissed him and anointed his head with oil, it should have been Lazarus. Come on, we're talking about that Lazarus. We're talking about the Lazarus. I got out of that grave. Come on, that Lazarus, bound in grave clothes. Stumbling to the mouth of the tomb. That Lazarus that heard him say, Lazarus, come forth. And he gets up out of the, come on, he gets out of the tomb and he walks to the door and Jesus says, loose him and let him go. That Lazarus was there in the room. If anybody should have washed his feet, if anybody should have offered him praise, if anybody should have worshipped him with reckless abandon, if anybody should have poured out everything that they had, it should have been that Lazarus. But you know what he did? Very kind. Very observant. Lazarus. Come on, I'm just telling you that. That it's easy. It's easy for human. It's easy for human nature to get content with what God has done in our past and forget about what God desires to do in our present. God doesn't intend for this to be a rolling praise of people that come in. They get saved and we get a praise report and then we go back down to normal with the rest of the people that have been saved and redeemed and set free and washed in the blood and come on, God has put us on the right path and established our going and, and then somebody comes to the altar and then we have a ripple of praise rise up and a worship rises up and, and then after that, that, that just kind of dies down and we go down to the next phase and we wait until somebody else comes. No, 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 that's not what God intends. God intends for there to be a constant eruption of worship. God intends for there to be a constant, come on, we've got, the problem is, is we've got 
our vials and we're still holding on to our praise just a little bit at a time. I'm, I'm just saving it until someone else gets in the tank and I'm saving it until somebody else is, hey, come on, until somebody else comes to the altar and, and they get the Holy Ghost. On. I'm just saving a little bit. of No, 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 don't worry about it. You pour out the vial. God's already proof. He'll fill it back up. Don't worry about it. Pour it out with reckless abandon. So we got Lazarus, we've got Simon. The Bible tells us that we've got Martha and we've got Mary. Martha and Mary, they're always at odds with each other and it's not because of their personality. I'm getting ready to close, don't worry. We... But Mary and Martha are always going to be at odds. It's not the personality profile that's going to help soothe the conflict. It's not an either-or scenario either. It's an understanding of the spiritual order. Because the church needs both workers and worshipers. But we've got to do it in the right order. Because when you get work and worship in the right order, your work becomes worship to God. I, I, I'll back up one more time. When we get it in the right order, your work becomes worship to God. We've, we've got people that are workers and we've got people that are worshipers. We've got intercessors. We've got people that intercede before the throne. And then we've got people that mow the lawn. And we need all of those people to get on deck and, and everybody. But, but here's what happens sometimes is that, is, that, <clears throat> is that the Martha gets looking at Mary who's chosen the good part and they get offended. Mary chose the good part. She got her heart in the right place. Martha, you chose the hard part. It's your hand. But we need both. If you get your heart in the right place and then you get your hand at work, God's going to honor every work of your hand. God's going to bless everything that you do. God's going to bless. But you've got to get your heart in order first. So when you get your worship in proper order, that's why, Mary, you chose the good part. You had a choice when you came in the room. You could choose worship or work. And, and you, you, Come on, Martha, you picked work. If you just picked worship, the work was going to get to be done, but you do it with blessing, and you do it with favor, and you do it with anointing. I'm telling you that God has a work for the church to do, but when we get worship in order, God's going to bless the work of our hand. I tell you what, every track that's passed out, the people are going to come. God will bless the work of our hand if we, come on, if we give him all of the worship that he's worthy of. That's the power of your worship. Worship is about spiritual order. God, give us a room full of grateful hearts. Rescue us from ingratitude. Break our alabaster boxes. The world doesn't have the right to define the confines of my worship. That's what the alabaster box did. It defined the confines of the worship. That's why she broke it. She said, nah, -uh, not going to let it happen. I'm going to break the confines. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break what defines worship. I'm going to pour it all out. Coming back to the music this morning. The world doesn't have the right to define the confines of my worship. I do want to leave you with one more point. We've got Mary who's given everything. David, it's your time to dance. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, we read that the ark is in the house of Abinadab. David gets a parade of people, 30,000 strong. They get a new cart and some oxen. 
they get the wheels all cleaned up. They get out the armor all on the tires. Meguiar's Egyptian polish all over the air ride suspension. Thrush exhaust. That's just showing my age. I couldn't think of anything new. David's desire is to bring the ark back. They get to Nacon's threshing floor and Uzzah reaches out to steady the ark for the oxen. The Bible says shook it. The oxen shook it. And God smotes him. And David's shocked and the people are disappointed. And David asked this question. He said, how shall the ark of the Lord come unto me? That's, that's there in 2 Samuel chapter 6. You can read it. It's the question he asks after the death of Uzzah. He says, how is the ark going to come to me? How? How are we going to do this? How? How are we going to let the blessing of God? I, I want the blessing that's been resting on Abinadab's house. I, I want that blessing resting on my household. I want that blessing resting on this kingdom. I want that blessing resting in Jerusalem. That, that's where I desire for But how? How are we going to get that here? And so for three months, he ponders the question and for three months he wonders and for three months he watches he watches the house of Obed-Edom and he watches that God's blessing rests on Obed-Edom so finally he gets the courage and he goes to the house of Obed-Edom and he doesn't go with the fanfare that he had the last time he goes with worship I tell you what for us to bring the presence of God amongst us the only way is the way of worship now I'm not saying worship has to be bouncing off the ceiling and worship worship is the depth of the experience that you will allow God I I've been in worship services where nobody said a word I've been in worship services where people laid on the floor lost in time while God Moved. I've been in worship services where tears flowed. I've been in worship services where, where humility brought brothers and sisters together. I've been in worship services where healing happened. I've been in worship services where, where deliverance occurred. I've been in worship services where the Holy Ghost was poured. I've been in worship services where we ran the aisles. I've been in worship services where people ran into the, ran into the pillars of the church. I've been in worship services where I fell off the platform. I've been in those worship services. I've been in those. But I tell you what, the goal was to get the glory back. I'm not, I'm not here to say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not your Simon the Pharisee today. I, I'm, I'm not the one sitting here critiquing everybody's worship all I am is a cheerleader on the sidelines my goal today is just to be like David he did I said I'll tell you this is how we're going to get the ark back we're going to get some staves and we're going to run it through those brass those brass loops and he said those staves are going to rest on the shoulders I'll tell you what that's close to the heart it's going to rest on the shoulders and and we're going to bring the ark of the covenant back and and we're going to go count them one two three four five six paces 
and then we're going to stop that's the measure of a man that's as much as we can go and that's that seventh step is going to be worship and we're going to sacrifice unto the lord and we're going to dance and and from obed edom's house all the way back to jerusalem that's the procession david stopped every six paces and they offered worship to god and then they went six more paces and they offered worship to god and they went six more paces and they offered worship to god and they went until they got all the way back to jerusalem i'm sorry camera guys i'm just coming back with y'all because sometimes you just gotta, you gotta get back in Jerusalem with the ark. And, and six paces takes you through the entire city. And six paces gets you face to face with a lot of people that are curious about what in the world is going on. And six paces gets you to see people close up, gets you, gets you right there amongst the everybody. And, 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 and I just want everybody to know that that's where we're coming from. David wanted all of Jerusalem to know. David wanted all of Israel to know. Here's where we're coming from. We're bringing the ark back. It's going to touch everybody. It's going to touch every heart. It's going to touch every home. We want blessing to rest. Come on. It happened with Obed-Edom. And we're just going six paces. And we're going to stop and we're going to build an altar to God and we're going to sacrifice. I, I know it's going to take a little while, but we're going to take what it, do what it takes and, and we're going to offer that worship until the glory of God is back in its rightful place. I just want to remind somebody that we're going to continue until the glory of God is back in its rightful place. Again, I'm not... I'm not Simon the Pharisee today. I'm David saying, let's do this. Come on, CCC. Come on, the world has defined the worship long enough. It's time for someone to break the boundaries and the barriers. I'll tell you what COVID did. COVID put us in a little container and said, this is where you can worship. COVID said, well, this is the, the parameters. This is, this is what we're going to define it. And you know what? We worked with it as long as we could. But here's where we are now. We're going to pour it out. We're going to break. Come on, we're going to break the alabaster box. We're going to break it until something breaks out. We're going to have a breakthrough in praise. We're going to have a breakthrough in worship. We're going to have a breakthrough in power. We're going to have a breakthrough in demonstration. We're going to have that breakthrough. inside you just gotta let it out 
you just gotta release it you you got it but you're holding back because you're you're worried about what someone might think she did not care what it cost her she didn't care what anybody thought she just said i'm gonna give it all i don't care what the eyes may say i don't care who may say what i'm just gonna pour it out i'm gonna give in come on you. Mm-hmm. 